This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Welcome to Harvest. Guys, as I always say, we're a family of Christ followers. We have found that we are stronger together than we are individually, right? Uh, and so we've chosen to link arms and accomplish God's purposes together. As a church, we meet in small groups throughout the week. How many, guys, let me see a big hand. If you're involved in a community group or an equipped group in Harvest, let me see your hand go up. Most people involved in, guys, community is so important. We meet in these community, these small community groups throughout the week, but we still love Sundays when our community groups come together to worship the Lord together corporately. And uh, as I always say, we're a small expression of the body of Christ. Guys, I love the body of Christ in that you realize that here at Church of the Harvest, we're just a small group. We're a home cell group in the body of Christ is what we are. We've got a much bigger family outside of these walls. Amen? And I am so thankful for that. But I'm also thankful the Lord has brought us together and that we're able to worship him together. If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? And how do we do that? Guys, I've been talking in, in recent weeks, really it's been the last two months. We've had a, a few little good interruptions along the way. But I, I told you that I've been sensing for a while this urgency to begin to foster a deeper heart of worship within our church family, to go all, after, all out after that. Because I believe that most Christians, most Christ followers today don't have a good understanding of what worship is. And I think that most actually have this idea that it's a 20 or 30 or 40 minute period during a service where you sing some songs. Is that worship? Yeah, it's worship. It is. <laughs> yes, Will, it's worship. <laughs> I'm playing pro. <laughs> it's worship, but I hope it's one of the smallest facets of worship in your life. Because worship is so much more than that. It's so much more than singing a song. It's so much more than a few minutes that we're standing together and singing. Much of the church today still believes that God exists for us. Like he's there to make our life better. I, I, I talked about how it's like he's the genie in the bottle, right? I think if we do things just right and we rub the Bible just right, he's gonna come out and say, your wish is my command. Guys, how many of you know that God does not exist for you? He does not exist for me. God does not exist for us. We exist for him, amen? We were created to be loved by him. But our responsibility, what we do is we worship him, we glorify him, we make him known, we bring him honor, and we bring him praise. I believe that one of the greatest areas that we can improve as the church is learning to be worshipers not just on the weekend, not just on Sunday, during an hour and a half to a two-hour period, but every single day. And I believe that if we get this right— then everything else will begin to fall in line in our lives if we just get this one thing right. Because we got to remember that worship isn't so much something we do, a worshiper is who you are. And we're going to talk a lot more about that today. But quick recap, we talked about how worshipers live a life of uplifted hands, representing our surrender to Christ and our victory in Christ. We talked about how worshipers live a life of generosity, love gives. That's what God does. That's what Jesus demonstrated. Love loves to give. We talk about we talked about how worshipers live a life uh, with their hearts poured out, a life this, with a heart of honesty and transparency and sincerity, not holding back from him, but open and transparent. We talked about worshipers live a life bowed down. We talked about how we, we bow in pursuit of God. We bow in repentance. We bow in submission. We even bow in uh, thanksgiving to him, knowing that when we understand who he is and what he's done, we'll recognize that it's our only reasonable service is to bow our life down before him. And then two weeks ago, um, our son Aaron talked about worshipers live a life of excellence. How many of you were blessed by that? How many of you were challenged by that? In every area of our life, worshipers live a life of excellence. He said excellence sets you apart. It's a denial of the flesh. It's driven by love. And it's ultimately a choice to live a life of excellence. So today I want to go in a little different direction, a little bit. Um, I, I want to discuss 
our posture of worship when we, um, more so when we intentionally uh, come to him to, to worship him, regardless of whether it's corporately or whether it's individually. But I want to talk about how, how we approach him in worship, how we, how we come to him. And again, like I said at the end, I, I want to give a few more moments. We got to go back into that song again at the end. We got to. But uh, I, I want to give a few minutes for us to really, for us to really press in and to... Um, and to worship him at the end. But, but before this, I want to I talk about, what I'm going to talk about today is worshipers live a life that is true. Worshipers live a life that is true. And so what does that mean? Well, here we go. Uh, if you're following along uh, on the, with the notes, obviously they're on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can use that. We also have, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can open that up on your phone or mobile device. And uh, I think if you hit the menu that says more and you hit events, our notes will automatically pop up on your device if you want to follow along from there. But the words of Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 23, he said, Yet a time is coming and, now, and has now come when the, what kind of worshipers? True worshipers. We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So it says, the time has now come when the true worshipers will worship. Now, now let me ask this. If, if we agree that there is such a thing as true worshipers, we got to also agree there's such a thing as what? False worshipers, Right? And so, Jesus says, for they, the true worshipers, are the ones, are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking after. So, a couple things we see here. The first thing we see is the Father is seeking worshipers. He's not looking for the best communicators. He's not looking for the most charismatic leader. He's not looking for the best looking, the strongest, the richest, anything else. He's looking for somebody that will simply worship him in truth. A true worshiper. You might say, well, you know, I've given my life to Jesus, but I just feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, this just isn't my area. Maybe I'm just not the most amazing worshiper. No, you were created to be an amazing worshiper. You were cre- it's the very reason that you were created. And, and here's the point I want to make. It's what we were created to do. See, all human beings worship. Christ followers are not. We all worship, and we do it really well. We're good at worship. True? Y'all awfully quiet this morning. We are awfully good at worship. Every human being on the earth is awfully good at worship. See, worship is simply showing what we value. It's showing what something is worth to us. It shows what we value and what we treasure. So, the example, a couple of examples on a gift. So, if you're a big sports fan and you go to the big game and your team is playing and they're winning, what are you doing? What does your posture look like? What is the posture of people who are at a big game? Obnoxious. Hands in the air, shouting, jumping, leaping, celebrating. True? You go to a big show, big concert, and see the big band that you've always wanted to see, and they do your song. What do you do? It's the same thing, right? We get excited, stirred up, passionate, celebration. It's praise, is it not? Even at a game? It's a form of worship. You can worship an activity. An object, an event, a person. As human beings, we can worship just about anything. We all worship. I, I, I just went on Google for a minute, and I just start, looked up pictures of people with their hands raised. None of the ones I looked up were Christian pictures. Here, let's throw up the first one real quick. First, that looks about right, yeah? Next one. We see sporting events. Now, look at these next few. Now, these guys, again... The rest of these were all like concerts and shows and different things. What does that look like to you? Keep going. Hit the next one. Keep going. Man, it looks like that could be right out of the Passion Conference there in Atlanta with all the young adults. Next one. Yeah. Is there one more? Yeah. Guys, 
What do we see in this? We see expressions of praise. And we see expressions of worship as well. It's passion, enthusiasm, love, admiration, adoration. All the things that we express in worship to God, right? We see in these moments. In these pictures, we see good, passionate worship. They're worshiping well. But it looks a lot like our expressions of worship to God. You, you can take that down. But here's the thing, guys. It's worship of a false god, correct? Now, look, I'm not, I'm not picking at any artist or athlete or team or, or anything else. They're not bad, correct? But they are bad gods. And if you make them a god in your life, then they are bad gods. True? They're false gods. In those pictures, we see good worship of bad gods. How do you know if you're worshiping those things? Determine whether you're more passionate about other things than you are about it. If you can get that passionate over things of the world, but you can't get that passionate for the Lord, you may be missing something. Many times, as human beings, we're very good at giving good worship to bad things, to bad gods, to false gods. Now, what's the flip side of that? The flip side of that is many times in the church, we're not so good at worship of the one true God. So in thinking about this, already in service, we started right from the beginning with a powerful moment when, you know, we encouraged you to, to, to forget everything else going on and to set your eyes on Jesus and to lift up your voices and to sing and to worship. And so I would ask you, how is your worship? How was your worship this morning? Did you come in and, 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 and immediately press in and experience the presence of God in this place? Or did you meander in 10 minutes late from getting your coffee from the lobby and sing a song and look at your watch and say, they're normally done at 25 after. It's, it's 28 after now. Are they about done? How was your worship this morning? How was it? Jesus talked about this problem. In Matthew chapter 15, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. And he's quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah here. And in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, he says, These people, Jesus speaking again, these people honor me with their lips. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, I go to church. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about it. I'm a Christian. They honor me with their lips. But what's it say next? Their hearts are far from me. How many of you have ever been there before? You were good at going through the motions. Nobody else will raise their hand. I will. They honored me with their lips, but their hearts were far from me. Verse 9, this is a new living. It says, their worship is a farce. Everybody say, ouch. You know what farce means? I looked up other translations of the word there. It means their worship is a, a mockery, a charade, a disgrace. It also means an embarrassment. Yikes. In this passage, Jesus is talking about hypocrites. <laughs> and he says, these people honor me, their lips, their hearts are far from me, their worship is an embarrassment. So I want to help prepare you, help you to prepare your heart as we do go back into worship here in a few minutes. And as we leave these four walls and we Go back into, you know, the workplace and the school and whatever else it may be this week. How many of you know this isn't the church because of this building? This is the church because you're here. And wherever you go, the church is. Amen. Let me read to you real quick Psalm 100. Again, this is the words of David. Look what he says. I memorized this years ago in the New King James. I'm going to read to you for the New Living this morning. He says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Guys, to me, that's a great picture of how we come into the presence of the Lord. It's a great picture of how we are to worship. So 
Guys, again, you exist to be loved by God. And you were created to worship. That's the reason last night he kept your heart beating through the night. And he kept breath in your lungs so that you could be a living sacrifice. And you could worship him and you could bless his name today. So before we go back in time of worship, I want to challenge you uh, with three things. If you're taking notes, uh, you can follow along here. I'm going to give you three things that I believe are evident in everyone that is a true worshiper of God. That's what we're seeking, right? It said to be a true worshiper of God because that's what he's seeking after, right? Y'all awake today. Everybody say true worshiper. I want to be a true worshiper. Number one. You don't have to repeat that. Number one. We are to worship with reverence and awe. Worship with reverence and awe. Hebrews 12, 28, uh, this says, it says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, how many of you are so glad that you have been received into a kingdom that cannot be shaken? What do we do? We show gratitude. And by which, by this, by this gratitude, we offer to God an acceptable service it can also, the other translation of that is worship, an acceptable worship with what? Reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But I love this where it says, since we um, are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Guys, no matter what happened in your past, even no matter what happens in your future, what Jesus did for you on your behalf that you received when you surrendered your life to him cannot be shaken. That's why he is the solid rock of our foundation. We're not standing on shifting sand. We're standing on the solid rock of Jesus. Amen? And because of this, it says, let us show gratitude. As gratitude is so pivotal in our worship. That's why I started saying a few weeks ago, we got to reflect on God's faithfulness in the past. What does that do? That stirs up, uh, stirs up trust and it stirs up gratitude within us. Because here's the deal. Gratitude is the doorway to great worship of God. Gratitude is what opens up that door. You want to really, you don't feel like worshiping right now? Just begin to reflect on God's goodness in the past and allow gratitude to begin to stir up in you. Remember what he's walked you through and what he's brought you through the other side of. Allow the gratitude to swell up within you. Worship's easy from there. It says, since we, have been, since we received by grace into this unshakable kingdom, we should show gratitude. And through that gratitude... We worship God acceptably. What makes us acceptable? We come to him with reverence and awe. Why? Because our God, he is a consuming fire. Makes me want to bust into some third day, if y'all remember that song. No, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Now, when I say that we're going to worship God with reverence, we, we probably have a little understanding of reverence. But I think that awe, I think that word, the word awe has been totally diluted in our culture. You know, I, 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 for example, I could say, actually, if you go to a Mexican restaurant with Zach, he always orders tacos, hard shell tacos. If he went to the new Mexican restaurant down the road and I said, Zach, how are the tacos at that new Mexican restaurant? He says, they were aw everybody say it, awesome, right? Because, I mean, tacos are awesome, right? I think so. Um, I could ask some of you, I guess I ought to ask Jerry. Jerry, how was that Tigers game yesterday? Awesome. They did win, right? I looked it up. It was awesome. Somebody come to you and say, hey, if you watch that new Netflix series, you're like, yeah, it was awesome. Was it really? Was it really awesome? Men, what do you say when your wife says, how do these pants make me look? Awesome. Awesome, right? Guys, are these things really awesome? To me, they're normal things that may be really cool. But are you standing in utter awe? Eh, some of you may stand in utter awe of a taco. I mean, I... I 
I'll help lead you back to Jesus if that's you. So when we talk about worshiping God with awe, what does that mean? Well, the translation, the word that we translate awe is the word phobos. It's where we get the word phobia. Now, that's not what it means here in the Bible. It doesn't mean phobia. But it does refer biblically to a reverential fear, reverential fear, of the power and holiness of God. It says, our God is a consuming fire, right? How many of you agree that this world is fallen and cursed? It is full of darkness and every vile thing in the world today. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you say yes to him, how many of you are so glad that he comes in, that consuming fire comes in and it burns up your past and it burns up your sin and your shame and your guilt and makes you a new creation? And then everywhere you go after that, after that moment, you bring the Lord of glory onto the scene because you are the church. And he comes in as a consuming fire and he's a light in the darkness, in your workplace, in your school, wherever it may be. He consumes death and he brings life, right? God is the only one that is truly awesome. Amen? Only one. There's nothing else in all of creation that is worthy of our awe and our reverence than him. Now, how many of you know that we can get glimpses of awe in the earth today? How many of you have ever stood on the rim of the Grand Canyon when the sun was going down? You're at that point where you're looking down a mile and, and the sun is setting and you're just like, You have a glimpse of awe. Or how many of you have ever, any of you have ever stood on the beach, stood on a beach as the sun was setting and the, and the, and the sky went from blue to, to orange to pink to, to purple? And you're like, wow. And you just, only thing you could do is just stand there and watch. And you're like, wow. It's a glimpse of awe. Or I know for me, like many of you that are parents, now, when Lauren was born, I'm not going back into that story. Y'all know that. Um, but no, really, as a parent, my fondest memory of that moment when she was born was when they brought her back to us all cleaned up, you know? <laughs> and, and I sat down on a little couch in our room, and I was able to hold her in one hand, and she was curled up right here. And I will never, I'm not starting. I had never experienced such awe. It was a glimpse of awe. Wow, God, look at what you've done, right? So, we get glimpses of awe. But guys, if we can get a sense of awe over things that are created, how much more should we stand in awe over the one who spoke it all into existence? It was his idea. He spoke it with his voice, and he brought it into being. And we stand in awe more over the sun setting like it does every other day of the year. And we do of the creator who set it in the sky with his fingers. We're to worship with awe. What do we do? Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Our only reasonable service is to bow our life down to him, to fall at his feet, and to worship. And really, this position of our heart should be very common for us as Christ followers. Now, I understand that for some of you, it may seem like a weird, uncomfortable thing for you to actually physically go down to your knees. But guys, in God's presence, that lowering of myself symbolically elevates him. Does that make sense? It elevates him. Now, he doesn't need us to elevate him. He's already got the name above every name. He's already at the highest place, right? Except maybe our hearts. And we have to allow him to be elevated and be at the highest place within us, right? an act of elevating him in our own lives. So understand that whatever we elevate, we worship. We worship whatever we elevate. That's why we talk about putting the Lord first. 
in all that we do. We elevate in our lives. Have you ever had a situation or a problem or a relationship that was consuming you? It had you anxious and it, it was, just, and maybe it went on for days and weeks and maybe even months. And it was just all that was consuming you. It was eating you alive from the inside. It might've brought on anxiety and depression and all this other stuff. Why was it so prominent in your life? Because that's what you were looking at. That's what you were elevating in your life in that moment. That's what your eyes were fixed on. Does that make sense? But when you elevate the Lord in your life, everything else begins to diminish. That's why you may have had a time in your past where you were eaten up with anxiety and, and fear and whatever it may be, and the circumstances seem to be overwhelming you. But you got away from the noise and the voices, and you got into the presence of the Lord, and you lifted up your voice in worship, and suddenly you begin to get this sense that everything's all right. And you continued to worship him. And what you were doing is you were elevating him and your problem was diminishing. Getting, it wasn't going away. You trust him to walk through the problem, right? But you can trust him more and more when you elevate him and recognize that he is so much bigger than the problem. And so there's times, even, I'm talking about our hearts, but even times in our physical worship where our only reasonable service is to drop down to our knees and to worship him. Maybe that's something that you do here. Maybe you've got a place at home where you pray and you can just get down on your knees and you can worship him and, and just express how grateful you are for who he is and what he's done in your life. We talked about a few weeks ago, what did the wise men do when they came to Bethlehem? They came before Jesus. They bowed. Before they even knew Jesus, they knew it was their only reasonable service. What did Peter do when Jesus called him? He bowed on his face before him. Scripture says that every knee will bow, right? Every knee will bow one day. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Not because he forces you. It's regardless of whether you believed or not in this life. One day you're, you're going to bow your knee and you're going to confess him as Lord. Not because he forces you to, but because suddenly you come to the realization, oh wow, he, he is Lord of all. And he's holy. I don't know about you, but I'd rather bow now than later. We worship God in awe. And hopefully you're able to look through a lens of gratitude and allow thankfulness to rise in you. Because that will allow you to stand in awe. For instance, I was thinking how over the last couple of months, our, our family has gotten to spend more time together than we have in a long time. It's, it's, it's really been pretty cool. We've been together a lot and gotten to play games and hang out and do all kinds of things. Y'all know back uh, a couple months ago, we, before Aaron got back from Africa, we all went over there and, and we're, we were all together. And, and being there at Overland, that Revival Week, that was, really, that was really pretty awesome, just these moments in the Lord's presence. But I remember one moment being there and just in, in worship and worship just going on. I mean, it's like an hour in. And I'm just standing there in the presence of the Lord, and I'm looking around, and I, I, I spot all three of our kids. Uh, they're, they're, they were close to us. They were back about just behind us. And they're all worshiping, and hands lifted high, and, you know, and leaping for the Lord, and all these different things. And I just thought, Lord, how is this my life? How is this my life? That I belong to you. I can live in your presence can experience your power and your love. How is this my life? It allows gratitude to rise within you. And to look around and see my children experiencing it. I'm like, come on. This is what it's all about, right? You're so thankful. So my question to you before we jump to number two is, when is the last time that you stopped and you quieted yourself and you silenced the voices in your life? And you allowed yourself to stand in awe, to truly be shaken in God's presence and to stand in utter awe of him. When is the last time? We must worship him with reverence and awe. Which takes us to number two. Number two, we must worship with abandon. I was trying to find the right word. I looked up abandonment. No, it's not abandonment. It's abandon. Worship with abandon. What does this mean? It means that we're going to worship with reverence 
and we're going to worship with awe, but we're going to have some fun with it. We think about reverence and awe, and we, we almost had this picture of reverence and awe, and we think that means standing real still and real quiet. Reverence and awe, reverence and awe, got to whisper, reverence and awe. And there is a place for that, yes? Absolutely. But there's more. It means we're going to get excited. Worshiping with abandon means that even if people don't fully understand what you're doing or why when you're worshiping, they don't understand why you're, why, why, why are they sing so loud? Oh, they, clap, they go to the one of them hand, clap, hand clapping churches, right? You know, like what? Why are they lifting up hands? Even if people don't understand and think you look like an ever-loving idiot in your worship, it doesn't affect your expression of worship because you're not worshiping for them. 2 Samuel 6.14, and 2 Samuel 6.14, this is, um, this is David again, and I, actually I'll just read it to you real quick, just a short thing here. It just says, and then David danced before the Lord with all his might. Some people think that you can't dance before the Lord with all your might because that's not reverential. Oh, that's, they're not, there's no reverence of God in that. Really? Did you, rec- you recognize that you can worship in reverence and awe and you can totally cut loose and worship him with all that you are? Some people can have a hard time reconciling that. But we see it right here. David, David is the warrior king. I mean, <laughs> bro was such a bad to the bone dude. <laughs> 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 Can't believe that didn't came in my head. Sorry. <laughs> I watched Cobra Kai the other night. What can I say? Um, um, he was so bad to the bone that that when it came time to build the temple, the Lord said, "Look, you got too much blood on your hands. We're gonna let your son do it. All right, all right, brother was bad to the bone, warrior." David, the warrior king, is dancing with all his might. Why? I I just wonder what that even looked like. I mean, a warrior dancing with all his might. I think it was probably the most chaotic looking thing anybody ever seen in their life. What is he doing? Like everybody stood back and was like, whoa. He's dancing with all his might. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant had been recovered and was being brought home. Now, historically in those days, the presence and power of God rested upon the Ark. Right? Right? I mean, so much so that they would take the ark in the battle and the enemy would be decimated. Just simply because our God is a consuming fire, right? So David being king of Israel, God had blessed him. God said he was a man after his own heart. And one of his greatest goals at this point in his life was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the holy city, bring it back into the temple. And so that's what's happening. The Ark is being brought back, it's being rolled in on a cart back into Jerusalem. And so David, is, brother, is dancing like a madman before the Lord. And I believe in complete reverence and awe. He's celebrating, he's worshiping, he's getting his groove on in front of a holy God. That's what's happening. He's worshiping with abandon. Interestingly enough for David, the one person who didn't approve and spoke out against him was who? His wife, Michael. She said, you're embarrassing me. She literally said, you're humiliating yourself. You're the king of Israel. Just look at yourself right now. How does David respond? (laughs) He said, I was dancing before the Lord. And he said, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. I'm willing to even be humiliated in my own eyes. Mike, drop. Yeah. True worshipers, as you grow, you learn to worship with abandon. We let loose. We're not ashamed or embarrassed to tell God how thankful we are for his goodness in our lives. Now, here's the problem I want to talk about for just a moment before we go to the last point. When you walk into most American churches today, most American church auditoriums or or, or sanctuaries, it kind of gives... The layout of our rooms almost gives mixed signals. It gives a weird message as to who the audience is. Think about it. The first time you walk through the back doors, what's the first thing you see? You see the stage, right? 
And maybe you came in during worship and you see people standing up here. Well, they must be important. They're standing on the stage. And there's lights shining on them. And they're doing their thing and they're singing and, and, and playing and doing whatever they're doing, right? And so if you had no further context for what the church is and how it operates, who would you say the audience was? You, right? You would be the audience. Is that correct? Absolutely not. It's wrong. You are not the audience. There is an audience, but you never have and never will be it. Never. Every person in this room that's followed Jesus, you are part of the holy choir, the heavenly chorus, lifting up the name of Jesus. Our audience is God Almighty and him alone. So that's why when we come into this place, you don't come in with this attitude of, you know, I don't know if I like the music here so much. Not quite. Man, why do they got to do this song again? Look, it's not for you. It wasn't for you. We're not asking a bunch of people their opinions. We're worshiping God the best way we know how. We would love to help lead you. And you come along with us in our worship, but it's not for you, right? It's not for me. You're not the audience. He's the audience and him alone. We're here to corporately lift up the name of our Savior, the name of our Creator. We're to worship with abandon. So you may be struggling and you say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm having a hard time with, I have a hard time with worship though. I, I get embarrassed sometimes. Sometimes I just, I, 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 I kind of, there's a part of me that kind of wants to lift my hands or I want to sing or, or, you know, I want to, I want to get on my knees. But what would the person next to me think and what my spouse think and what would my parents think? And it's not for you. They're not why you're doing it. Right? So who cares? Who cares what anybody else thinks? As a matter of fact, if nobody ever looks at you and sees you in your expression of worship and thinks, they look a little weird. <laughs> then you may not be worshiping to your full potential. <laughs> we worship with reverence and awe. We worship simultaneously with abandon. Sometimes you just got to get excited, realize what he's done, and just say thank you. Say thank you with your face. Ah. Smile is a great thing. You're walking to church and everybody's looking around like a sourpuss, like, morning, morning. I'm here to celebrate Jesus, you know. But sometimes you just have to let go and you got to get excited. Got to worship with our voice, with our hands, with our body. We got to go to our knees and worship him. Be genuinely excited that the God of all creation cares for us. And when we understand what that means, we'll begin to worship with abandon. Caring less and less what others think. Last thing I want to mention, number three, is we must worship with intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. intimacy. Psalm 27, 4. Guys, this again is David. And this is one of my favorite verses. David, the warrior king, what does he say? One thing I seek from the Lord, this only, everybody say only, this only do I seek from you, Lord. This is the only thing I want, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Guys, David, king of Israel, man after God's own heart, very wealthy, probably could have had anything and probably could have prayed and asked God for anything. And this is all he asked for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I pray that each of us, that that would be our one true desire, that we would worship him with intimacy. And look, we get confused sometimes when it comes to intimacy. What is what intimacy actually means? Because there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone intimately, right? There's a lot of people today that call themselves Christians that know a lot about God, but they don't know him. And that's very concerning to me. Intimacy is something different. I even, I even think, Sean and I have been married over 26 years now. 
And I think about that and, you know, it, it's been 26, you know, perfect problem-free years. But, obviously I'm lying, but, you know. She, like many wives, asks me sometimes, she'll go, tell me why you love me. And I'm like, oh, there's so many reasons, I just can't list them all, right? And it's like, <laughs> so many reasons, right? <laughs> like, oh, that question again. Do you doubt my love? <laughs> But guys, I've been married 26. I have hundreds of reasons to love her. And yeah, I was thinking of a few. I'm not trying to make you start crying again, okay? But I was just thinking just in the things we've experienced in the last couple of weeks, even as we've had a couple opportunities and, and, and I've seen her pray over different people. I love the way that she prays with this passion. And, and it's the same way she worships. She worships with passion and with excitement so much so that I got to give her some extra seats. I'm like, <laughs> but, but, but that's a great thing, Right? Worships with abandon. <laughs> um, but I know her. It m- makes me smile to hear her laugh. You know, I love the way that she raises her kids. And, and, and I think you would all agree that she's a servant. She puts others first, right? And so here's the thing. I don't just know these things about her. I know her. I've seen it demonstrated for 26, 27 some years. I know her. I know what makes her tick and I know her pet peeves, right? But here's the thing. That's what God wants between you and him. And you got to realize that God already knows you that way. He already knows you intimately, right? But he wants you to desire to know him in exactly the same way. He wants you to know him, not, not just know about him, but to know him personally. And really, guys, just like in a marriage relationship, that's born out of hours and days and weeks of years being together and being in each other's presence, right? Isn't that what it's about? Isn't that how you develop intimacy with somebody? It's about FaceTime. (laughs) Not on this. Time on your knees. Time lifting up the name of Jesus. Time meditating on God's word. Time getting intimately acquainted with him. Not knowing about him, but knowing him. I'm going to wrap up, but I just would say, some of you would say, well, that's awesome. You know, I, I would love to worship the Lord in that way. I'd love to worship in awe, and I'd love to worship with abandon, and I'd, I'd love to press in in my expression of worship, even in Sundays, even with the worship team and whatever else. But I just... I don't know. I just don't feel it. You know what I say about feelings, guys? Feelings are fickle. (laughs) Whether you feel it or not. Sometimes you feel it and sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes you feel like getting up to pray and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like seeking the Lord and sometimes you don't. But here's the deal. Feelings are never to dictate obedience. Never. Our feelings are never to do. Now, feelings can follow obedience, but feelings are never meant to dictate our obedience. How do you know that he is worthy of your worship and your honor regardless of whether you feel like it or not? He's always worthy. We press in because he's the great I am, the beginning, the end, the alpha and omega. He's worthy of our worship right now, whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel his presence or not. Regardless of what's happening, regardless of the circumstances, he's worthy. And we worship him. So what do you do? If you're in that position, you're sitting there going, well, okay, I'm looking at my heart. And, you know, I, I acknowledge that I've been worshiping, but, but some of what I worship is not worship of him. There's other things that I've elevated, other things that I've kind of had my focus and my gaze on. There's other things that I've elevated, you know, above him in my life. Well, you come to this place, the same place that David came to. You just begin to say what David said, Lord, this one thing I ask, this one thing I desire, all I want is to intimately know you and your power and your presence. And you begin to thank him for all he's done in your life. You allow gratitude to begin to pour forth from your heart. 
And I promise if you do that, you've taken the first steps in beginning to worship. And the hunger will follow as you begin to obediently lift up his name and worship him. You will have a thirst for the things of God because you're already beginning to walk it out in obedience. Does that make sense? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and end there. Uh, I'd like for everybody to stand up. I'd like for the worship team to come up. And as I said, we're going to go into a couple more moments of worship here. Guys, um, here at Harvest, we are going to be a worshiping church. I'm believing for the worship to go to a different level when we gather together than it has ever been at before. And, you know, um, guys, I believe that a true, genuine community of believers lifting up the name of Jesus in sincerity and authenticity is one of the most powerful tools we have to reach people. Look, it's not the cool and flashy churches that are reaching the lost. They're trying, and they're trying to make it more and more. Look, and look, I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing any church. I'm not against, I'm not against lights. I, I, you want to have a smoke machine? You know what? Okay, pre-smoke the room. You know, whatever. That's cool. But more and more, no, smoke the room is, is to help the lights pop. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I'm not against those things, but if you're trying to get more and more flash and bling to try and draw more and more people and make church fun, then you've missed the point. The, the, the people today, especially young people today, are just, they're fine. They're just done with it all. And they're seeking something genuine something authentic. I mean, look, they're, they're trying to find something to live for, something to fight for, something to, a cause to get behind. And it's all kinds of things except the Lord. I think a church family worshiping in such authenticity is one of the greatest witnesses because it's going to follow you outside of these four walls. And you're going to be a worshiper with your life. And you're going to worship with excellence. And people are going to see it. They're going to take notice. A church full of people like that, lifting up the Lord for who he truly is, that makes people experience the power and presence of God. I pray that, that guests, when they come in this place, that they immediately sense the power and presence of God. And look, that's not anything. We can't do that up here. That's all of us down here pressing in and hungering and seeking after him. Worshiping the Lord like, like David with all our might. And when we do that and the power and presence of God is here, it needs no explanation. It doesn't need a sermon to follow it. <laughs> Why? Because you're experiencing it. People are experiencing it. They're feeling his touch and his love. We're to worship genuinely in reverence and in awe. We're to worship with abandon. We're to worship with intimacy. Guys, Today and in the days ahead, can we get even more excited in this place? Can we take it to another level? Let's all just, let's all just close our eyes. Let's, let's lift our hands. We've talked about this. So I, it doesn't matter to me if you're even a Christ follower or not. If you're not a Christ follower, just at the chance that the God of the universe might be real right now. Lift your hands to him and ask him to reveal himself to you. Because he'll do it. We lift our hands and surrender to a good, good father. We lift our hands in celebration of the victory that was wrought through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus. Because of who he is and what he's done, we live our lives poured out as a sacrifice before him. Just close your eyes. Let's just pray for just a moment before we go back into worship. Lord, in this moment, we thank you for who you are. Such a good God. And Lord, we desire intimacy with you. Lord, we repent of all the things in our lives that we've elevated in our lives, that we've elevated in our eyes and our hearts those things that we've set our gaze upon, those things that we've given praise, 
those things that we've stood in awe of, that were nothing more than mere creation. Lord, we know that they pale in comparison to you. Lord, we lay our idols down this day in Jesus' name. We lay them down. We give you the focus and the attention that you are due. We set our thoughts on you. We praise your name, God. Lord, I pray that we would crave to be the true worshipers that you are searching for. Maybe you're in a place today and you feel like your worship has been divided. And maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now and saying, I'm so much bigger than that issue coming up at work this week. Or I'm so much bigger than that test you're, you're, you, you've got coming up or whatever it may be. And I just encourage you right now to begin to praise the Lord, begin to thank Him, begin to reflect on His faithfulness in your life. You need to jump in as we worship together and you need to make David's words your own. And Lord, this is the only thing, the one thing I seek and the only thing I desire dwell in your house, to know you intimately. To gaze upon your beauty all the days of my life. If that's your wish, I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands again. If that's your wish, this one thing I seek and this one thing I desire. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.